the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, greetings and good afternoon to you. Welcome to the Friday edition of The Ride Home. It's the best edition of The Ride Home. It is. Truly it is. Yeah. You know what? Is today beautiful or what? It's a beautiful day. It's, how can you say that? Look at, look outside. Seriously, I, in, in all earnestness. Look how beautiful it is. I look outside and I think, oh my gosh, I have really? to go get a light box or something. No, I love it so much. Oh, it's so depressing. I don't think it's depressing okay. at all. I'm sorry. All right. It truly it is. What does that make you want to do? You look out at that weather and you think what? I don't know. I, it, it doesn't make me want to do anything. It just kind of opens me up somehow. It just, you know. I'm, you feel contemplative or you? I feel content because there's a, a sort of a cover around me, a, like a, really? a lid on things. Oh, and so, I'm you, so, there, so there are things that you can't do, and you feel like you no. you're, you you relieved of responsibilities. Well, there's a little tiny bit of that, but I just feel as though there's a lid of this backwards beauty, as the best way okay. I can describe it. And it, you know, the sun's not shining, but it's it just it's good. I mean, it's I think. Not even, you, I think you probably have a healthier outlook than I do. I don't know. I like it. Because it doesn't, I mean, isn't rain a miracle? It happens. Yes, it, it is. It is a miracle. So you kind of go, yes. look at that. It's well, incredible. now I feel badly about saying it's depressing. It's okay. It's, everybody has their different things, right? Is it too early for me to tell you? Tell me what. Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. Here we are just a few minutes past the four o'clock oh. hour. Thank you, sir. See, our fan is is not Stalwart. Is not inside, not depressed. No, because he's got Sounds... a big weekend ahead, right? Come Thank you, sir. <laughs> Look, he, yeah. even, he even came up uh, for a second go-round. Nice. In the 5 o'clock hour today, um, we're going to talk about an incredible uh, – you're going to think this is crazy. You're going to say, have they lost their mind? We're talking about professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. But it's in a larger context. It's a fascinating essay. It really is a fascinating essay from, from Christ and pop culture. So we're going to talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Gwyneth Paltrow Ski Trial Musical – <laughs> this is a thing <laughs> premiering in London. Oh my gosh. Also, the week in review Excellent. will be coming up. And um, in this hour, seven things to stop worrying about this Thanksgiving, especially if you're hosting, which I am. Outstanding. Okay. So, uh, as the world continues to revolve, and it does. Without further ado, Kath, the news stories, please give us the top four at four. For Friday, John, mm-hmm. November 17th, Thank you. 2023, number one, a funeral was held today in Israel for Noah Marciano, a 19-year-old Israeli soldier who was taken hostage by Hamas on October 7th and whose body was found near the Al-Shifa hospital complex in Gaza this week. John, did you see this I did. beautiful, beautiful young girl? Yep. It broke my heart. The brutality of it all. Broke my heart. Yesterday, another hostage's body, that of 65-year-old Yehudit Weiss, was found near Al-Shifa. The Israeli Defense Force said targeting intelligence allowed them to locate the exact location of the bodies. IDF has claimed that Al-Shifa, home to Gaza's largest hospital, sits above a main Hamas command center. Mm. The U.S. has said it also has intelligence to support Israel's claims. Read more about that in today's Wall Street Journal. Number two, 
TikTok's hot new social media influencer is Osama bin Laden. Oh, I saw this. Yes, the terrorist who plotted 9-11 went viral this week. I'm reading here from the opinion page at the Wall Street Journal and not in a good way. I mean, I'm reading it in a good way, hopefully, but it's not that... Okay. I'll just continue. Users have been posting videos to TikTok urging their followers to read bin Laden's 2002 letter to America while suggesting he was on to something. One TikTok user said, after reading this, I will never look at this country the same way again. Please get a life. The videos racked up hundreds of thousands of views. TikTok said Thursday it is aggressively removing such content. I'm glad to hear that. Then it blamed critics and journalists for noticing, saying all the attention was driving more traffic to the posts. An archived version of the text shows bin Laden espousing Islamism, denouncing licentiousness, including President Clinton's immoral acts, calling AIDS a satanic American invention, and of course, ranting about the Jews. He says Muslims are the inheritors of the real Torah that has not been changed, which he claims makes them the rightful heirs to the land he calls Palestine, saying the creation of Israel is a crime which must be erased. Yep, that was on TikTok Today trending. And Elon Musk as well. Number three, a tough report from the Health Ethics Committee on its investigation into GOP Representative George Santos of New York details what congressional investigators said was substantial evidence that the congressman tapped into campaign funds funds to cover his own personal expenses. Mm. You want to know what he spent the money on, John? Botox. Mm. Luxury retailers, spas, resorts, and Botox. Mm. That's why he was mounting bids for Congress in 2020 and 2022. So how about that? That's from CBS News. And number four, one of Pittsburgh's most popular events is upon us again. Light Up Night is tomorrow. Downtown Pittsburgh running from early afternoon and culminating with a fireworks show at night's end. And that's your top four at four. Very nice. So that's going to be fun. Tomorrow night? Like, yeah. yeah. It's uh, first time it's been a Saturday, hasn't it? Which well, makes I, sense. I don't know about I think that. It, I think it's the first time it's been a Saturday night. Usually okay. when we leave here, you know, it's 6 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, that's true. The roads are clogged. But Saturday allows people to sort of to wander in. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Light Up Night ever? Never. Never? Never. I've been once. Okay. I'll tell you how long ago it's been. Kaufman's was open. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's a really long time. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Uh, this year's festival has lots of food trucks, according to the Trib, and other food vendors to feed the large crowd. A lot of the downtown restaurants are already booked up, they okay, said, so good. that'll come in handy. Right. Pop-up gardens serving beer and cocktails. The Sister Bridges uh, are going to become Yay. glowing. Fabulous. At 8 p.m. That's the deb- debut of the new lights. Fireworks start at 9.30. Uh, Philip Phillips, American Idol winner, is going to perform at 8.30. And it's going to be a dry but cold Saturday. Very nice. And the mayor has promised that downtown is extremely safe mm-hmm. for your visit down there. No so pooping. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> just in general or just for the city? I just feel like in general that should be just a policy we uh, have in downtown Pittsburgh. I think so too. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, let's uh, get underway here. That's uh, right. We're going to step aside. When we come back, what about video games? Harmless? Do you play them? Never. Never, I ever. never have. Never once. No, I never have. Never. Uh-uh. We. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. Uh-uh. Okay. No, but it'll be interesting to hear from Jay King, who's written an article about what his uh, video game habit revealed about him. So that's next. Stay with us. It's Friday edition of The Ride Home. Hey, greetings and good afternoon to you. Welcome to the Friday edition of The Ride Home. It's the best edition of The Ride Home. It is. Truly it is. You know what? Is today beautiful or what? It's a beautiful day. It's... How can you say that? Look at... 
Look outside. Seriously, in, in all earnestness. Look how beautiful it is. I look outside and I think, oh my gosh, I have really? to go get a light box or something. No, I love it so much. Oh, it's so depressing. I don't think it's depressing okay. at all. I'm sorry. All I mean, right. Truly it is. What does that make you want to do? You look out at that weather and you think what? I don't know. I, it, it doesn't make me want to do anything. It just kind of opens me up somehow. It just, you know. I mean, you feel contemplative? or you? I feel content because there's a... A sort of a cover around me, a, like a, really? a lid on things. Oh, and so, I'm you, so, there, so there are things that you can't do, and you feel like you no. you relieved of responsibilities. Well, there's a little tiny bit of that, but I just feel as though there's a lid of this backwards beauty, as the best way okay. I can describe it. And it, you know, the sun's not shining, but it's it just it's good. I mean, I think. Not even, you, I think you probably have a healthier outlook than I do. I don't know. I like it. Because it doesn't, I mean, isn't rain a miracle? It happens. Yes, it, it is. It is a miracle. So you kind of go, yes. look at that. It's well, incredible. now I feel badly about saying it's depressing. It's okay. It's Everybody has their different things, right? Is it too early for me to tell you? Tell me what. Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. Here we are just a few minutes past the four o'clock oh. hour. Thank you, sir. See, our fan is is not Stalwart. Is not inside, not depressed. No, because he's got Sounds... a big weekend ahead, right? Come Thank you, sir. <laughs> Look, he, yeah. even, he even came up uh, for a second go-round. Nice. In the 5 o'clock hour today, um, we're going to talk about an incredible uh, – you're going to think this is crazy. You're going to say, have they lost their mind? We're talking about professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. But it's in a larger context. It's a fascinating essay. It really is a fascinating essay like from, from Christ and pop culture. So we're going to talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Gwyneth Paltrow Ski Trial musical – <laughs> this is a thing <laughs> premiering in London. Oh my gosh! Also, the week in review Excellent. will be coming up, and um, in this hour, seven things to stop worrying about this Thanksgiving, especially if you're hosting, which I am. Outstanding. Okay, so uh, as the world continues to revolve, and it does, without further ado, Kath, the news stories. Please give us the top four at four. For Friday, John, mm-hmm. November 17th, Thank you. 2023, number one, a funeral was held today in Israel for Noah Marciano, a 19-year-old Israeli soldier who was taken hostage by Hamas on October 7th and whose body was found near the Al-Shifa hospital complex in Gaza this week. John, did you see this I did. beautiful, beautiful young girl? Yep. It broke my heart. The brutality of it all. Broke my heart. Yesterday, another hostage's body, that of 65-year-old Yehudit Weiss, was found near Al-Shifa. The Israeli Defense Force said targeting intelligence allowed them to locate the exact location of the bodies. IDF has claimed that Al-Shifa, home to Gaza's largest hospital, sits above a main Hamas command center. Mm. The U.S. has said it also has intelligence to support Israel's claims. Read more about that uh, in today's Wall Street Journal. Number two, TikTok's hot new social media influencer is Osama bin Laden. Oh, I saw this. Yes, the terrorist who plotted 9-11 went viral this week. I'm reading here from the opinion page at the Wall Street Journal and not in a good way. I mean, I'm reading it in a good way, hopefully, but it's not that... Okay. I'll just continue. Users have been posting videos to TikTok, urging their followers to read bin Laden's 2002 letter to America while suggesting he was on to something. One TikTok user said, after reading this, I will never look at this country the same way again. Please get a life. 
The videos racked up hundreds of thousands of views. TikTok said Thursday it is aggressively removing such content. I'm glad to hear that. Then it blamed critics and journalists for noticing, saying all the attention was driving more traffic to the posts. An archived version of the text shows bin Laden espousing Islamism, denouncing licentiousness, including President Clinton's immoral acts, calling AIDS a satanic American invention, and of course, ranting about the Jews. He says Muslims are the inheritors of the real Torah that has not been changed, which he claims makes them the rightful heirs to the land he calls Palestine, saying the creation of Israel is a crime which must be erased. Yep, that was on TikTok Today trending. And Elon Musk as well. Number three, a tough report from the Health Ethics Committee on its investigation into GOP Representative George Santos of New York details what congressional investigators said was substantial evidence that the congressman tapped into campaign funds to cover his own personal expenses. Mm. You want to know what he spent the money on, John? Botox. Mm. Luxury retailers, spas, resorts, and Botox. Mm. That's why he was mounting bids for Congress in 2020 and 2022. So how about that? That's from CBS News. And number four, one of Pittsburgh's most popular events is upon us again. Light Up Night is tomorrow. Downtown Pittsburgh running from early afternoon and culminating with a fireworks show at night's end. And that's your top four at four. Very nice. So that's going to be fun. Tomorrow night? Like, yeah. yeah. It's uh, first time it's been a Saturday, hasn't it? Which well, makes I, sense. I don't know about I think, that. I think it's the first time it's been a Saturday night. Usually okay. when we leave here, you know, it's 6 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, that's true. The roads are clogged. But Saturday allows people to sort of to wander in. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Light Up Night ever? Never. Never? Never. I've been once. Okay. i tell you how long ago it's been. Kaufman's was open. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's a really long time. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Uh, this year's festival has lots of food trucks, according to the Trib, and other food vendors to feed the large crowd. A lot of the downtown restaurants are already booked up, they said, okay, so that'll come in handy. Right. Pop-up gardens serving beer and cocktails. The Sister Bridges uh, are going to become Yay. glowing. Fabulous. At 8 p.m. That's the debu- debut of the new lights. Fireworks start at 9.30. Uh, Philip Phillips, American Idol winner, is going to perform at 8.30. And it's going to be a dry but cold Saturday. Very nice. And the mayor has promised that downtown is extremely safe mm-hmm. for your visit down there. No pooping. So that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> just in general or just for the city? I just feel like in general that should be just a policy we uh, have in downtown Pittsburgh. I think so, too. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, let's uh, get underway here. That's uh, right. We're going to step aside. When we come back, what about video games? Harmless? Do you play them? Never. Never, I ever. never have. Never once. No, I never have. Never. Uh-uh. We. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. Uh-uh. Okay. All right. No, but it'll be interesting to hear from Jay King, who's written an article about what his uh, video game habit revealed about him. So Very that's nice. next. Stay with us. It's Friday edition of The Ride Home. It is time for This or That. The Friday edition, the only edition throughout the week, where Kath has a list. I have a list. And I've got a list. And we make a choice, this one or that one. Mm-hmm. Kath, may I present to you the first Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> menu, <laughs> oh. this or that. Okay, I'm ready for it. Wild turkey, mm. venison. Oh, wild turkey. Mm-hmm. Corn pudding, cornbread. Uh, Trader Joe's has not been invented, so I'm going to go corn pudding. Mm, okay. Fresh fish. Lobster. Mm, fresh fish. Shellfish stew. Clam chowder. Mm, 
It's hard to get better than the clam chowder, really. I mean, you want to say shellfish stew, but you're coming back to clam chowder. Venison jerky, smoked fish. Smoked fish. Cranberry I don't, I don't sauce. I like venison, John. You don't? No, I don't. Good. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry relish. Cranberry sauce. Oh, okay. Roasted duck. Roasted goose. Yeah, I'll go with the duck. Okay. I enjoy it. Not too greasy? It's very greasy, yeah. but I still enjoy it. Squash soup. Squash pie. Mmm, squash soup is delish. Mussels. Oysters. The oysters gag me. Really? Really? Mussels. Cranberry juice. Mulled cider. Oh, so good. Both of them. Uh, All right, I'm going cider. Hey. But that was hard. Native American herbal tea. European style brewed beer. I hate beer. I also don't like herbal tea. Mm. Um, But I'm going to pick the tea over the beer. All right. Honey glazed carrots. Braised turnips. Oh, honey glazed carrots. That is so delicious. I love it. Wild mushrooms. Fresh seaweed salad. Uh, I'll go with the seaweed salad. Oh, really? Yeah, I will. Sunflower seed butter or walnut butter? (laughs) That's both sound disgusting. Thank you so much. Uh, I... I guess I'll go the sunflower seed butter, but who wants to? Uh, well, happy Thanksgiving from the uh, Pilgrims and the Native Americans. Thank you. Very nice. All right, John, I also turned to something in the news. Uh, just a couple of days ago, Frick Park, it was announced, is going to be yep. uh, designated as some historical place, mm-hmm. which we fully support. Sure, we both of course. Love it. So it's got me thinking. So I'm going to present to you the favorite places in Pittsburgh edition oh, of this or that. Very nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, yeah. South Park or North Park? Uh... I know North Park better. North Park or Shenley Park? Shenley Park. Shenley Park or Frick Park? Frick Park. Frick Park or Mellon Park downtown? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be Frick Park. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to choose the park that yeah. has poop in it. <laughs> exactly. Pooping in the park right. does seem to lower its or desirability. Or you may be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Yes. The Carnegie Library in Homewood mm-hmm. or the library at the Duquesne Club? Oh, I mean, well, I gotta go to the Carnegie Library in Homewood. Yeah, I mean the Duquesne Club. I mean, That's very nice, very cool. It is very small, but very, very it's interesting. Very interesting. We had a chance to go and we peek sh- around there. It was really good. Yeah, I regretted spending so little time Me too. there. Yeah. Uh, number six, the multicolor lights atop the Duquesne Light Building. Oh yeah. Is it still the Duquesne Light Building? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the golf, you know what I mean. Yeah. The golf building. That's what yeah, I meant. Golf the building. golf building. Yeah. Which Forgive is now me. it's got a new new thing to it. Is it the golf building still? Yeah, it's still the golf building. Okay. The multicolor lights atop that building yeah. or the super cool gothic tippy top of the Union Dress building? Well, I'm going golf building. Are you really? I am because they, that surprises me. They've done new things. Downtown has got a new bunch of light displays. The, the twin uh, bridges. What do you see? Yeah, that? I know. It's going to be tomorrow night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dippy the dinosaur. Mm. Outside the Carnegie Museum, yep. or all the other dinos that dot the corners around the city? Oh, no. Dippy. Oh, okay. By far and away. Okay. Uh, the Commons Room in the Cathedral of Learning, or the Lobby of the William Penn? Oh, the wi- Lobby of the William Penn. I just want to hang out, no, have a cup of tea. That's how I feel about the Commons Room. Yeah, do you really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Pennsylvanian, which uh-huh. is the uh, old train station yep. downtown, mm-hmm. or the Grand Concourse? 
Mm-hmm. Grand Concourse. Side. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Concourse of the Lamont. Uh, I, I, who doesn't like the view? You got to go to the view. Yeah. Okay. The Kaufman's Clock or Fort Duquesne? Oh, Kaufman's Clock. Kennywood or Idlewild? Kennywood. Tesaro's or Butter Joint? Tesaro's. The Three Sisters Bridges or Smithfield Street? Three Sisters. Pen Mac or Woolies? Pen Mac. Point State Park or The Strip? The Strip. The Richard Caligiri statue at the City County Building or Mr. Rogers statue in the North Shore? Mr. Rogers. That's the best. The Courtyard at the Duquesne Club? Yeah. Or Phipps Conservatory? Again, I mean, it's exclusive or to the public. I'm going Phipps. Okay. Lawrenceville or Bloomfield? Bloomfield. Uh, the plaque in the pavement between Ackershore that shows where Franco caught the Immaculate Reception yeah. or the wall at Forbes Field that's still in Oakland? I love them both. I'm going Forbes Field. You have to because yeah. it's so incredible. It's yeah, still it there. Is. Very nice. Well, it's Thanksgiving week, is it not? I mean, people are making their plans, last-minute shopping this weekend. So you're hosting. Yes. Kudos to you. Thank you. Today's Washington Post, seven things to stop worrying about this Thanksgiving. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. great. Right. Your responsibilities are great. So let me encourage you with these seven things. This is interesting. Bringing a beautiful whole turkey to the table. Oh, no To the way. table. Listen. Who does that? I gave that up. I don't think I ever even embraced that because that is – that just doesn't work. It's a, it slows everything down. It does slow everything down. Right. And and turkeys aren't necessarily pretty when they come out of the they oven. They cannot be, right. Yeah. So Sometimes we, they're not. But, you know, you go back to that Norman Rockwell image. I know, right? of course. Everyone's like ooing and aahing at the turkey, right, that's, right? Right, forget it. So the post says, you know, ideally, of course, you have to let your turkey rest at 30 minutes or so before carving. Right. So who's going to suggest waiting even longer? Be, you know, the oohs and ahs are out there. And when you pull it out, like you said, it's not that pretty sometimes. Maybe the leg drooped. Maybe it's not golden and listen, brown. And Carving a turkey oh, it takes a- is a mess. Yeah. So do I don't want to do that at the table. Who carves at your house? Uh, well, we've done it both ways. Uh-huh. My husband or me. Okay, very good. But either either way, it's a mess. Timing your meal down to the minute. That is the hardest thing. Right? That it's, is the single hardest thing. Okay, dinner's going to be at yes. three or four or I whatever. I hate it. Right? And and trying to get everything ready and on the at table time, at the and same hot time. And ready to go. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that's those are two things, seven things to stop worrying about. Okay. Because you can I'm all, I'm I, I I'm still worrying about the getting eating at the right time. Well, I mean, there's a window, right? I mean yeah. you can say three o'clock what time's your dinner? Uh five, but people are coming at four. Okay. So they'll be noshing on hors d'oeuvres yes. and whatnot. So you've got plenty of time. Yeah. Have a drink. Just right. relax. If it, hits the t- it, if it hits the dinner table 15 minutes late, 20 minutes late, who cares? Okay. All right? Setting a pretty table. Don't you like a pretty table? Oh, listen, I'm doing that. But you're here for the food. So they say, the Post does, don't worry if you don't have decorative gourds. You know how I feel about I that. Have, I have decorative gourds. Or even matching dinnerware. I have matching dinnerware. You can just set out a stack of plates and let people grab them as they come up to the food buffet style. I mean, you can. Let them sit yes, where they want to sit, piling up chairs, perching on the couch, uh, the couch, etc. That's okay. I can't do that. The key is everybody's together. I can't do that. Come on now. No, right. I can't okay. do that. I, ha- l- I give you two. I, I give okay. you three. One, you, okay, you okay. can avoid. Okay. Right? I, I have to. I, look. The table's part of it, right? It is. Okay. Presentation is key. Okay. Pairing drinks 
with dishes. Oh, forget it. Oh, like I would do that. Drink whatever you want and enjoy it, yes. so they say, right? If you're buying wine, you don't need to spend a fortune either. Just aim for the sweet spot of affordability. Save prize bottles for another time. There's just too much food. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Making everything from scratch. Oh, you, you have to do that. Wait a second. Figure out what's most important to you and make that. Everything else can be store-bought or semi-homemade. Hate cooking the turkey? Outsource the turkey. Okay, you can outsource the turkey. Right. I don't. I actually don't mind that. But I'm not going to do instant mashed potatoes and yams out of a can. <laughs> I'm just not. I mean, I get that. I mean... Remember, we just ha- we had two major segments this week on how ultra-processed foods are killing Americans. Right, right. But the cranberries, no, I mean, don't you? You like the cranberries no, out of the no, can? No, I do not. No, I don't. No, it's not no. as good. If you've got rings in your cranberries, I mean, you know, okay. All right. Making everyone's favorite dish. That I have struggle with that mm-hmm. because I want everybody to be happy. Of course. But, you know, it can feel impossible to include that one dish that makes uh, the meal for every single right, person. Right, I know. So um, set expectations in advance. And if you know someone anticipates a certain food on the table, give advance notice that it's not happening. Right? Let them know in advance. Or suggest that they bring it themselves. That's fine. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fine. If you really want that, could you bring it? Because I'm doing too many things. Right. Okay, now, this is the big one. Of the seven, Okay. going it alone. Yeah, I did that last year because I had to, because um, my niece, who I usually tag team with, uh, had surgery, and it it's the single most exhausting meal of the year. How do you go it alone? It All is, those... it is exhausting. You know what I had to do? I started cooking two days ahead, and then I reheated the because there's on. no there's no you don't have enough oven space I mean, for all, all the that. casseroles, you all the side it. dishes, the bread, and all. Yeah, it is very exhausting. Right. Let the family help you put dinner yes, together. Yes, that right? yes, that's what we do for sure. You We're know? having friends. We got a whole Everyone's menagerie coming, dish. so everybody's bringing different things. Excellent. Okay, so, so I feel good about it. Of all those things, in bringing a beautiful whole turkey to the table, no, no. Uh, timing your meal down to the minute. I'm still struggling with that, but okay. All right. Setting a pretty table. I, I have to do that or I'm not going to feel good about it. Pairing drinks with dishes. Never. Making everything from scratch. I have to do that. Making everyone's favorite dish. That's a little. Going it alone. No, I'm not going it alone. Well, it's like three things there that are key here. Right. Well, when it's all over, when it's all said and done. Wait, do you do this? My, my sister, God bless her. She's so good. She'll say, I'll bring your Tupperware. Oh. And then everyone... Just loads it. Oh, my gosh. Or she, God yeah. bless her, she'll have extra Tupperware, you know. And so you, people leave That's with like awesome. a shopping bag full of stuff. That's awesome. Leftovers. Right. Leftovers are key. How's your gravy? The best. Uh, is it real? Or is it yes. from the can? Oh, no, it's real. No, wait, your family's like the Heinz people. No, not, I mean, we are, but we're not doing that. Right. Yeah. Right. We're not doing that. Listen, I... Do I sound like I'm bragging? Well, that's okay. I mean, if you're proud of it, you should brag. I just have to be honest. It's the very best. With mashed potatoes? Yes. Sweet potatoes? Uh, Yes. (sighs) What's the main casserole dish? Uh, I think I'm going to make a corn pudding. Mm. You talked about it in this or that. I made that last year for the first time. Mm -hmm. Anything new? Uh, That that was new last year. And the sweet potatoes were new last year. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be the second time for both of them. I feel good about. It. I was the only one that liked the corn pudding. No, it's excellent. Nobody else liked it. Really? But you, it's coming back. I liked it so much. We got a different crowd this year. I feel like I'm cooking for I me. I think you should get something that you look forward to. A little bit, to. right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and all the guests, they're bringing 
Each guest is bringing something, and a couple of them I'm going to text back and say, can you bring a second thing? Okay, good. I feel fine about that. They're sure. all friends. Like, we're all... Right. Yeah. I mean, and especially if they're experienced in the kitchen, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Yeah, right? I'm going to... Right. What about um, the olive tray? Do you have that? You do? I am going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the cheese and olives mm-hmm. to start. That's going to be the nosh. Uh-huh. That's going to be the nosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks cheese for asking. Cheese and olives, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cheese from... Pet and Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go on Tuesday to get my cheese. Okay. Yeah, you want to come? Well, I mean, yeah, it's a little I did, late. I but. did invite. We're having fourteen. I did invite another family to come for dessert because they're going somewhere else for dinner. For dessert. Yeah. What? Have, see, uh, my niece is making pies. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that. What kind of pies? Uh, she sat. She asked me what my favorite was, and I told her to choose. I just said, please don't make a pecan or mincemeat. Yeah. Or shoe fly, mm-hmm. which That's I despise. Good. Yeah. So she'll make a pumpkin pie. Well, I'm going to make a pumpkin pie because I'm going to need that on Friday for my own happiness. You're going to make two pies. Oh, for sure. Yeah, leftover pie. Yeah. With Cool Whip. Yes. Not whipped cream. No. Mm-hmm. Someone going to bring a cherry pie? Well, you can only hope, but you're not going to be there. So you have seem to have a lot of investment in what's happening at my <laughs> well, house. I just want everybody to be happy. That's all I'm saying. Just everyone. And to be what happy. are you? Uh, so Christmas or no Christmas? Thanksgiving is at your sister's house. It is. God tell bless me what. Her. Tell me what you're bringing, Mary Jane. God bless her. I, well, I mean, I just you know, <laughs> she's such a hostess. I mean, I, she's got this going on. I mean, <laughs> every year she says, "I'm I'm just done with this. I'm too old for this. This is you know, it's too much going on." But every year she rolls it out. She's like. Hostess extraordinaire. I mean, since she was a kid in her first apartment, she's always been the hostess. Mm. And that's her spiritual gift for all of us. And so, of course, we all take advantage of it. Sure. Uh, so, the, you know, the call went out. I'm do- she said, I'm going to do this. And then everybody else said, well, I'll bring this and I'll bring this and I'll bring this. And, you know, there's some heave-ho that's involved, tables and chairs. So I, you know, uh, reached out and said, what can I do? I'll be happy. To-. And she was like, no, no, no. Uh, the only thing I need you to do, so this is my only, only thing I, I cannot forget, is to bring two folding chairs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's the totality of your responsibility on my, no, Thanksgiving? My, my wife is making some dishes. She's contributing. But I'm bringing – my job is to not forget two folding chairs. Oh, my gosh. I have to leave the studio. <laughs> Guys have it so good. We'll be right they? back. Last Tuesday evening, about a dozen people gathered on Zoom – For an unusual book club, for nearly three decades, it has been exclusively devoted to reading a single book, out loud, page by page. The group is studying Finnegan's Wake, the notoriously difficult to-read novel by Irish writer James Joyce. In October, after 28 years, the group finally reached the final page. Wait, wait, wait. It's taken them 30 years to read the book? Mm-hmm. Have you ever read it? No. Have you ever tried to read it? No. It's a crazy... I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, you, I could see... Uh, reading this, I could see how you could get quickly. I mean, <laughs> three decades is a long time to read one book. But I'm telling you, it's there are passages, long, long, long passages where it's just gibberish, that nothing makes sense. And I love James Joyce. I mean, he's a classic of English literature. Finnegan's Wake is a whole other story. The group uh, started in a Venice library, then moved to Zoom during COVID 
Over the years, its membership has ebbed and flowed from about 30 to fewer than a dozen people at any given monthly meeting. There are similar groups around the world who also have delved into Finnegan's Wake. Um, Finnegan's Wake was published in 1939, and let me read, Wikipedia describes it as being written in a largely idiosyncratic language, which blends standard English with Irish mannerisms and puns in multiple languages to create a refracted effect. And I'd say that's kind of gibberish as well. Um, one of the members of the of the book club <laughs> describes it in a more succinct way. He says it's almost like tripping on acid. And you want to read that for thirty years? I don't mean you, but a person wants to invest thirty years in that. Well, people people who love to read now. Yeah. And James Joyce again. It's he's he sort of has a cult following. I've never read anything by him. Um, Ulysses, okay. A portrait of the artist as a young man. Okay. Those are two other I know the James titles, Joyce novels. I don't know the work. Um, yeah, people are okay, just so, attracted so, okay, to it. Okay, so did they? So they've now finished, and have they come to a conclusion about the work? Yes. Um, one of the people um, who's read through, who's been with this group for a long time, not for the full thirty years, he says this. He says, "Quote: I've read this one page maybe a hundred times, and I understand very little of it." It's lovely to hear, but it really has no meaning. Um, someone else says, uh, it's, the book never really ends because the book ends mid-sentence on page 628, and then it picks up the beginning. You do not end ever Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> I mean, there is no... Oh, okay, so... 628 pages. Okay, so is that a waste of time? No, I, I, I would not say it's a waste of time. Look, um, just like our, our guest who was We're talking, talking about, about video games. Right. Right. The thing, it's a, people who love to read, some people love to read in community. Which is great. So then you are trying to solve a puzzle together, mm-hmm. a mystery together. And because it was written, I mean, almost 100 years ago, 90 years or so ago, you're all on this journey trying to sort of peel back the layers of what this means. For 30 years. Well, I mean, give or take. I mean, I love, I think the idea of a book club is great. Yeah. I think if you're going to be in a Bible study for 30 years, I feel like the Bible yeah. has like right, accumulated course. wisdom yes. given to us by the creator of the universe. Yes, you I can, get it. You can plumb the depths of that endlessly. Yes. But this? But I do think there's like... You see this in all sorts of things. There are, you know, people who have only read Harry Potter. They've read Harry Potter hundred times. Five hundred times. Right, right. right. Or people do that with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Sure. I'm, there there are little hovels of people that do uh, dedicated right, to right. one particular thread. Right. But I, I everybody years. everybody can make their own choice. But to me, really? Well, there's something to be said about it. I mean, believe me, I get it. Given your choice, 30 years, reading the Bible or reading James Joyce Finnegan's Wake, of course, there's no comparison. Right. And here's the thing. You're reading that. Okay. You're reading Finnegan's Wake, and in the back of your head, you're assuming that there is going to be, that there's a point, and you need to figure out what it is. Or maybe not. Maybe the Well, whole, then why are you doing because it? Because maybe the reason is because it's the sense of, 
I'm in community. Mm. So I'm reading this sentence, and what does she think about I mean, it? What does he think about it? Let's just gather and talk. Right. I mean, Go work out with a, cl- a group of people. I, I mean, know. what? Yeah, well, that could be. That could be, right? That yeah. could be. And so the more they drink, the less they care about if there's a meaning Maybe. to I mean, it. They said it's kind of like trippy. Okay. Guess, you know? So I started reading Man in the High Castle. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, Which you went through this. At, at, the show. Yeah. The, an absolute classic of science fiction. Yeah. Right? And? And after reading it, it, it two-thirds of the way through, it starts becoming crazy. You realize when you look at an interview with the author – that he was using the I Ching oh. to decide what the plot points were. And so there really was no point to the book. Well, greetings to you and good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the five o'clock hour of the Friday edition of The Ride Home. My favorite edition. Mm-hmm. It just is. Thank <laughs> you, sir. God bless you. And Our yours. fan agrees. So there's three of us yeah. that love this edition. Yep. If you, you miss, tell me what? Well, oh, is it too early? Tell me. Or is it too late since five o'clock hour? Your weekend has begun. Fabulous. Thank you. Once again. No, I don't think it's late at all. Okay. Right? It's right on time. It's very dark. It is. It's, it's, a, extremely it's a lovely day. Dark. It's a lovely, lovely day. It is extremely dark. If you missed anything in the four o'clock hour, including this or that, mm-hmm. one of our most popular uh, weekly segments, um, you can check out our podcast, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, wherever you get your podcast. Also yes. coming up, uh, we've got The Week in Review. Mm-hmm. At around 5.30, what are we reading? What did we eat? eat? What did we listen to? Conversations that made us think. Uh-huh. Watch, what, we watch what are we watching? All that sort of thing. Very much. And uh, things to do in Pittsburgh this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, making the rounds. <laughs> making the rounds. It's a fraught uh, phrase. Uh, on social media, <laughs> which is hard to believe, considering all the anti-Semitism that has been rolling across this country and the deep division. Yes, and the deep division between those who support Israel and those who are supporting Palestine. I mean, this is like something. Anyway, Osama bin Laden is now part of the mix. On right? TikTok. That wasn't on your bingo card, no, was it? No, I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading here from today's uh, Wall Street Journal, Osama bin Laden went viral this week on TikTok. Please. Users have been posting videos uh, to TikTok urging their followers to read bin Laden's 2002 letter to America. And they're doing it because they're saying, hey, he was on to something. On to something. One user says, quote, I will never look at this country the same again. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, The letter that bin Laden wrote to America uh, denounces licentiousness, including uh, President Clinton's immoral acts. Uh, He called AIDS a satanic American invention. And, of course, he ranted about the Jews. He said Muslims are, quote, the inheritors of the real Torah that has not been changed, which he claims makes them the rightful heirs to the land he calls Palestine. Therefore, quote, the creation of Israel is a crime which must be erased. So in the letter, he asks several questions, which are, why are we fighting and opposing you? And why are we call- what are we calling you to? And what do you want from us? And what do we want from you? And so all of these years later, this, of course, was written in 2002. We have young people on TikTok saying that this has completely changed their opinion of America. Well, pfft. 
Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm going to go back to the Wall Street Journal editorial, which is really worth reading today, but I'll, I'll just read a, a couple sentences from it. Um, the editorial board says, it should be a cause for contemplation on university campuses that some young Americans in 2023 can apparently read Osama bin Laden's justifications for 9-11 and see a reflection of what they've been taught about settler colonialism. To some degree, those who embarrass, this is a great line, those who embarrass themselves on social media are merely publicizing who they are in ways that couldn't have been revealed at an earlier age. But the serious question is how and how much these platforms are shaping American education and political discourse. Mm -hmm. So that's the question that I'm interested in asking. TikTok has the biggest following um, of any social media platform of people between the ages of 18 and 29. And if any of those people who are reading the seeing the Osama bin Laden thing trending, if they had some kind of historical knowledge or some kind of social understanding, they would see that and they would be able to read the Osama bin Laden article while knowing what 9-11 was. In context. What it was, put it in context. But it seems like as much as we want to pick on people who were, you know, between the ages of 18 and 29 for saying absurd stuff like this and making something like this trend, it makes me think that the older generation has done a really lousy job of conveying what our country's about, what happened on 9-11 and how we should look at the world. Well, do, you, that, do you agree? That may be true. Maybe not a lousy job. Maybe just uh, this generation have been poor students and more interested in other things like TikTok, yeah. like Instagram, yeah. like all the social media junk that's you know been pushed down our throats. And we've gladly accepted you know, for these past 20 plus years. Maybe that's the case. The we, we are but, not students as a country. Yeah, you're right. And we take you know the easy way out. And so when something comes up like this, which is an indictment of us, it it's easy to jump on the bandwagon and mm -hmm. go, oh, yeah, they are right. right. And never, not have any depth to I've it at all. I'll never look at my country the Please. same way again. Listen, few people know history well, and especially in a younger sense. They just don't. They're not interested in learning. That's just the, that's the case. So- Whatever the, the flavor du jour is of the moment, it's easy for people to read a hashtag and nod their head and denounce this country and not knowing anything about what happened in the past. It's a wretched development in society that we're letting TikTok, which is a, an organization, a platform owned by the Chinese government, right. we're letting them influence 18 to 29-year-olds in our country. We are drowning in the shallowness I mean, it's ridiculous. of our uh, own culture. The Wall Street Journal said, would the U.S. have let the Soviet Union buy MTV in the <laughs> 1980s? Right. But we're, we have, we're trusting TikTok to do the right thing. And how could, why no. would we do that? Okay, so this is a weird equation, but it's the right one, I believe in. So this past week, a sideline reporter who is in the NFL games right. essentially said, Carissa Thompson, essentially said, well, if I don't get the interview from the head coach, I just make it up. Right. So. So people who. Nothing matters. Right. So. So. But all. But that I don't think that's true because she said that. And then everybody who does do sideline reporting of course, that's instantly rose up and said, wait a minute, that is not how we look at our occupation. That might be how she looks at it, but that makes all of us look bad and we don't do it that way. Right. So I feel like maybe, I mean, that's a good example. Maybe we should look at this story about the Osama bin Laden thing trending and say, wait a minute. What do you know? What do you know? And what are, and, and, 
what are we letting people think is true? And is there ever a place we step in and say, you know what? That's not the way it happened. Go and pick up a book and put down TikTok. Once in my life, many decades ago, a friend of mine said, hey, um, I got an extra ticket to see a world wrestling event. Would you be interested? I wasn't doing anything, and I like a spectacle, so I said, sure. And that was my one and only time at this massive, I mean, incredible arena filled with screaming people. It is theater on a gigantic scale. Now, wrestling is an American mania. And um, you think about Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Federation. It's been around for a long time. It generates, I'm sure, hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars or more. But what is the difference or what is the connection between wrestling and the church? Well, we follow a lot of different websites. And one of our favorites is uh, is a, a website. Christ and that- pop culture. Christ in pop culture that is just a, a really interesting mix of the culture, of course, and what it is to be a believer. And there's an essay in there today um, about stronger than ropes, family, fellowship, and local professional wrestling. And our guest here today, Cole Burgett, he joins us. And Cole, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Hey, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Cole, tell us how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Burgett, you got it right. Great. Outstanding. All right, Cole. So um, people are listening to the program thinking, you know, on this four to six afternoon drive show, we don't usually talk about professional wrestling. (laughs) Right. And it's probably not something that they've seen in Christ and pop culture a lot either. Um, So talk about why you decided uh, to write about it and uh, and put it in this publication. Sure. So it's a a bit of a convoluted story. I'll try to condense it. Um, I Right, uh, do film reviews, things like that for some other publications. And there was a film coming out later in the year called uh, The Iron Claw, which follows the Von Erichs. It's a professional wrestling family mm-hmm. from back in the day. And uh, I sort of pitched doing this film because I thought it could be an interesting, uh, different angle. Like you said, um, there's very few Christians who are sort of riding on this, looking at this. And I should probably say that I'm not anything in the way of a, a diehard professional wrestling fan. Like, I'm familiar with it by virtue of being an American. Uh, but beyond that, I really didn't know a ton. Right. So I just started researching to write this uh, article on this film and decided, you know, the best way to do this is going to be to see some local shows and just learn the, the business. And I sort of fell into this by happy accident, just made some connections locally here in Arizona and uh, just started getting involved. And it was <laughs> a spectacle is the word for it. Uh, it is theater on a grand stage. And so I, I just started immersing myself in this world and started writing some articles on it. And that's sort of how the the article came about that you guys are talking about. Yeah. Well, Cole, it's really wonderful. It's very, very interesting. And you start off by saying that somewhere between the quiet reverence of a cathedral and the electrifying atmosphere of today's wrestling arenas arise an unexpected symmetry. And I believe you tell the story quite well because you talk about being at a dinner after a wrestling event and the promoters and the people connected to the event sit around the table and they murmur more than once, it's like a church. Yeah, that was 
fascinating for me. Um, I was I went to one of the shows and kind of hung around and talked to the promoters afterwards, and very unexpectedly, they sort of invited me to dinner. And as I was kind of talking to them and learning the business and their philosophy of how to do things, that's one of the things, the refrains, if you will, that they kept coming back to. It's it's, it's We sort of approach it like a church. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't approach this as a, a, a necessarily a business, even though in a sense it is. It's um, it, for them trying to create a, a very specific kind of atmosphere. But it's a, it's a connection with the people in the audience. Hmm. And I should probably say that this is a very relatively small local promotion. This is not necessarily something that you would see at one of the, the major shows. But in this local promotion, I, um, I was really sort of taken with it. I was, I was very surprised. The promoters sort of knew everyone on a very personal level. And the the going to the events uh, was like a consistent thing. Mm, this is just, this is just what they do. Yeah, it's just what they do. And it was it was just sort of expected. Like everyone who was going to show up and everybody knew everybody. And, you know, the kids all know each other and they know the parents and the friends. And it was almost a kind of um, liturgy, if you will. Hmm. No, and that uh, that was interesting to me. I'm glad, Cole, you make the distinction. This is not the World Wrestling Federation. This is not mega arenas with tens of thousands of people. These are generally small, very regional, very local events in gymnasiums and um, things like that. Maybe a, a hundred or two hundred, or maybe a few more people than that. But you, you talk about this that. This is to me a, a really striking thing that the people that you are hanging out with in these small small venues that you say professional wrestling is no stranger to heightened levels of violence or more risque productions, and you wondered about the family friendliness of it, and the promoters that you hung out with they adjust the family friendliness according to who's in the audience. Yeah, this is something that was fascinating for me to learn as well um, because I had even sort of. Uh, the idea that this is all just kind of mindless violence. But no, there, there is a method to the madness, which uh, sort of like I learned just by getting the chance to peek behind the curtain, that, because I asked that question very specifically, there were so many kids there that everybody seemed to know. And more than that, I was told that the uh, the kids were like the kids of the wrestlers. So I'm thinking, right, like, <laughs> these kids are going to grow up and need therapy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I asked about it. And what the promoters told me is exactly what Don said, that the wrestlers learn to read a room. And they sort of have, an, have trained the ability to look out the audience. If they see more kids than adults, they sort of adjust mm-hmm. uh, the intensity of what's going on in the ring correspondingly. Yeah, um, yeah I just think it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's theater. It is theater. Sure. That's that's what it is. Sure. Yeah. And and so and it's theater done well. And by well, I just mean that the theater that works is that the people up front have a connection with the people who are seated. In an improvisational style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um what I learned in in my time sort of talking with these people and researching and all of this is it, it even though these are athletes in the truest sense of the word, um, they play the game very differently. 
usually with contact sports like this, especially something that's like fighting, you know, you're sort of training to, in a sense, hurt the other person in a very controlled way. This is the opposite. You train to protect the guy that you're going up against. So there is, in a sense, a kind of choreography that goes to it, but it's in a very improvisational kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, being able to forge a connection with the audience is the key. Right. Um, this This is the kind of thing where you either want to be loved or hated. And and hated to to be hated is a very good thing in this world. Um, I actually had one of the promoters remark to me, "It's amazing what you can do when you bring in guys who have the ego or the strength of ego to get booed. <laughs> you can actually tell really effective stories that way because you give people a villain." Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's true that every theater has its, you know. It's uh, it's different characters, and you talk about a guy who drove uh, one of the wrestlers who drove twelve hours one way to wrestle, yeah. and then at the end, you know, of course, he's playing the role of the villain, and a young kid comes up to him as he exits, and he goes, "You lost." I, I mean, oh yeah, this one this one blew my mind. Um, it's a huge Hulk of a guy. He was he was just over seven feet, and he's got all of these chains and everything. And this guy later learned had sort of wrestled all over Europe, kind of well-known in that part of the world. But over here, he's, you know, I don't know how many people know him. So he drives 12 hours one way to wrestle in this show where there's less than 100 people. Wow. Um, Of course, he loses because he's the villain. And as he's sort of walking back to the locker room, you know, there's no curtains, right? You got to sort of walk through the crowd. And this uh, this kid, I mean, you know, bold as brass, walks right into the aisle, lifts his finger, points it right at him. And the kid comes up to his knees, and he goes, "You lost." And the the guy, I'm watching, like, how's this guy going to respond? And he he just kind of shakes his head and smiles at the kid and just says, uh, "That hurt," <laughs> and just sort of steps over him. <laughs> <laughs> and I I later found out. But talking to this guy, he had driven 12 hours one way. That's crazy. Uh, for that. For that moment. And I was, yeah, for that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, sort of blown away by this. Uh, who does that kind of thing? Yeah. But uh, they really value that kind of connection. They really value that. Okay, so in thinking then, Cole, about connection, um, Bring us full circle and how you took these experiences and it made you think about the church. Um, yeah, draw those draw those connections for us. Yeah. So I used to live uh, in Missouri. I've lived all over the place. And there was a little Baptist church just north of Brazito that I uh, attended while I lived up there. And I, I should say that I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, small churches, very small towns, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's sort of my comfort zone. And so when I walked into this little Baptist church in Brazito, I was really taken with the connections that were there. You had people who genuinely 
were interested in you. Um, and not with any sort of ulterior motives that I could read. Um, they just were shocked to see a new face. Hmm. They wanted to get to know you. Um, they knew each other. If there was an absence on a Sunday, that absence was felt. And uh, it, it, it had been several years since I had been in a church setting like that. And, you know, it, it just struck me very profoundly that um, there's a sense in which this is what a local church should be, in a way. Um, and when I had gone to this wrestling show, strangely, that was the same sort of thing that I saw going on with the promoters and the people. Um, you know, the asking, is such and such coming? Uh, why isn't such and such here? How is your mom doing? Uh, there was genuine concern. Um, and I was, especially talking with these promoters at dinner, for them to say, you know, we sort of approach this like a church, and meaning contextually that they care about the connection with the people. They genuinely try to care about the people who are there. Uh, and then to see them get very emotional when talking about uh, a local wrestler who had, who had passed away. Um, everyone sort of felt that loss. And uh, I just thought, you know, I, I don't really see this kind of community outside of a church setting. Hmm. And yet here, there I was standing in a professional wrestling show, <laughs> sort of seeing the same kind of thing in a very secular sense. But what's interesting is the promoters, they themselves knew that what they were producing, their product was like a church. Oh, absolutely. And I later learned that one of the head promoters of this particular promotion, uh, who had gotten him into wrestling as a kid, was his youth pastor. Hmm. And as I've just sort of studied more and more, there is a kind of connection between Christianity and that particular business. There are a lot of wrestlers who uh, are consistently in church, and you, do, you wouldn't expect it, right? Right. You, you wouldn't expect somebody being in a church every Sunday to sort of moonlight or even work as, as a professional wrestler. And yet there, there's quite a strong connection there. Um, there are some who are very public with the WWE who are Christians consistently in churches and they sort of get all the buzz, if you will, but there are quite a few others. And, um, I, I do think based on what one of the promoters had said that everyone in the ring is, you know, they're, they're in there for a reason. They're working something out. It's a kind of theater. It's acting, if you will. There's probably a connection there emotionally and psychologically with what's going on in a, a church setting as well. Hmm. And I, I'm just going to, I think it's important to say that if that can be achieved in a, uh, secular in a secular setting, in a wrestling setting, then, you know, as you say in your article, the church is without excuse, uh, you know, for those of us who, who, who are committed to our churches and go, if we're not fostering relationships, if we're not sensitive to who's in the room, if we're not uh, open to grandparents and kids at the same time, if all those things, I mean, those are the things that, that work toward community. And, you know, this, I don't know, I, I read the story and I thought, okay, so this is a good reminder. This is what we're supposed to be about. 
Yes. I think we, um, as I tell my students all the time, the Bible is a complex book, but it is not complicated. Mm-hmm. We complicate it. We sure do. Well, Cole, listen, we love the piece in uh, Stronger Than the Ropes, Family Fellowship and Local Professional Wrestling from Christ and Pop Culture. It's a really job well done. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you guys. Our pleasure. We appreciate you. Cole Burgett, check it out. Looking for it. Christ and Pop Culture. Really well done. We live in a strange time when headlines can be turned into musicals. And such is the case with Gwyneth Paltrow, because earlier this year she was in court with an optometrist who <laughs> skied into her on the slopes in Utah the year earlier. And now that televised trial is headed to the London stage as a musical. Gwyneth Paltrow's ski trial oh to gosh. debut in London in mid-December. The uh, play, the musical, is called Gwyneth Goes Skiing. and uh, That gets right to the point. Set to premiere December 16th. You know the story, right? Yeah, I do know the story. So there was Gwyneth on. She was she was standing. Minding her own business. Right. When some guy plowed into her, he filed suit against Gwyneth Paltrow, saying that he had broken four ribs and had a brain injury She for $3.1 million. So that was his suit. She countersued for a million dollars and attorney fees. The two-week trial lasted, as I said, two weeks. It was a viral hit, went around the world. In the end, Gwyneth prevailed. And there was no monetary damages awarded. The optometrist uh, didn't, of course, he did not get any cash. He paid Gwyneth's legal fees and said he was sorry. So now it's going to go to London. Now, here's an inside little look. RuPaul is doing the music. So (laughs) say what you will, right? Oh, my God. But everything's up for grabs now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would you go? Not, I, I'd, I'd rather, thin. I'd rather sit home and look at the wall. It's not Kiss Me, Kate. It, it, it's this, not West Side Story. We've it's come, not. We've come a long way from Hamilton, from uh, Brigadoon, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I. What? So, what's the deal? You spent, I mean, decades of your life in theater. What passes for musicals now is kind of, I don't mean across the board, but a lot of things that end up as musicals, to me, are just really lame. Like, I don't want to go see, look, I love Billy Joel. I don't want to, like, going to see a Billy Joel musical, like, I'd rather see Billy Joel. Right. Why do I want to see a Bruce Springsteen musical or whatever, or Mamma Mia or any, like, that, to me, that's super lazy. Feels like a cash grab. Yeah, it, it is I mean, a cash grab, You right? know, uh, Producing any kind of theater is hard, and of course it's a gamble, so you never know. So the producers of something like that, the creators of something like that, tend to go with what they think may be you know, more general acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, this, this Gwyneth Paltrow thing, it feels like a um, um, kind of like a, a small dinner club sort of thing. Right. Like it wouldn't be like a big right. stage, right? You know? what is, so it's like... Um, who, who was the guy? Uh, so it's like, <laughs> it's like Don Brockett meets Dateline. Kind of. That's a good analogy. Maybe that's true. Right. And Don Brockett used to send up the news, right? Years ago, he did burlesque and did yeah, this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why not? Anyway. That's real. That's really weird. Just, I, people just trying to make a buck is what it feels yeah, like. But, yeah. Can you imagine Gwyneth Paltrow showing up for that? Listen, I'm not buying a ticket. No, please not.
It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? Well, I would say they were talking about Israel, the hospital, and Mm. Hamas, which is an incredibly wild story. Heartbreaking as it is. Also, maybe as a sidebar, people were also giggling about George Santos. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think people are also talking about rising Mm anti-Semitism around the world. And also, I think after last night's Thursday night NFL game, people are talking about big injuries to the Bengals and the Ravens, which could clear the path for the Steelers. (laughs) What was a conversation that made you think? Monday at 440, we talked to Pastor Eric Watkins about I was a disenchanted deadhead who found Christ on a Greyhound bus. That was a good story. I mean, I love to hear people's testimonies. And what a great story. I mean, he just was wandering around as just an idiot. And then his sister gave him a Bible. He traveled from California to South Carolina and found Jesus along the way. And now he's a pastor and... He's bringing people to... It's an incredible story. It really is. It's just incredible. That's a great choice. Um, I picked, though, yesterday at 510, uh, Dr. Charlie Camosi talking about confession. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Charlie's a practicing Catholic. Uh, I am a practicing Protestant. And you were a former Catholic. I've straddled. You straddled. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, confession. It's a powerful tool and a necessary thing for us to draw closer to God. And I believe that we often ignore it at our own peril. Yes, both Catholic and Protestant mm-hmm. ignore it at our own peril. But we ignore we practice it in different ways, and we ignore it in different ways. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I thought it was good. Anyway, if you missed either one of those segments or anything else, you can find our podcast wherever you get yours. The John and Kath. No, it's The Ride Home with John and Kath. Thank you. <laughs> what are you reading? Uh, earlier this week, a listener, Linda Roundtree, sent both Kath and I a little book called Holy Moments, a handbook for the rest of your life by Matthew Kelly. It's kind of her. I, I've been reading it, and it's really, really well done. I love it. It's a series of little parables. Each chapter is short. And they make a very specific spiritual point. So uh, uh, holy moments, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's it, it's perfect for my reading right now because, you know, I tried to do the David McCullough Truman book and I couldn't get through, you know, one chapter. So <laughs> this is excellent. Uh, I'm still reading a book called Harry's Trees by mm. John Cohen, and I'm listening to it on Audible. And. It's such a fascinating story. Harry's trees. Yeah, it's it's a story about a guy who um, is dissatisfied at work, profoundly so, and his wife keeps saying, why don't you go do what you really want to do? Why don't you go do that? And instead of doing that, he buys lottery tickets. Mm. And, you know, he, he, he can't take the jump. Anyway, after her uh, untimely sudden death... He has to reevaluate his life. Anyway, it's just it's told in a very interesting way. I'm only halfway through it, but I'm really enjoying it. What did you eat? (laughs) I I told you this a few weeks ago. My wife, she was on this meatloaf binge and she made meatloaf for like everybody in the history of humanity, which now we're eating. (laughs) (laughs) So this past week, you know, I've had meatloaf again. And, you know, um. On a rainy day like this, you know, the weird thing is, like, you open up the fridge and, you know, there's leftover meatloaf. And I go, oh, I'll have a little bite here, a little bite mm-hmm. there. 
It's been very cold. Good. Meatloaf is so it's excellent. good. Very sustaining it's, to me. Yeah, it's so good. So that's what I've been eating a lot of. All right, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. But what I ate last night smokes all of the everything you're talking uh, about. Really? Because I went to Hanati's, which is a new Mediterranean restaurant on McKnight Road in the North Hills. It's in the same plaza as Big Lots, mm-hmm. so it's down there in the southern end. And I went there because you told me to. Yeah. Hanati's moved from the uh, East End. East End over here to the north part of town. And if you like Mediterranean food, you have got to go there. Loved it. We ate there I'm last jealous night. jealous you have it. I am telling you, it was so delicious. It is the best chicken shawarma I have ever had. It was so delicious. The hummus is out of control. Yeah. It is just Hanadi's, H-A-N-A-D-I apostrophe S, in the Big Lots little plaza there on McKnight Road, Stop whatever you're doing and go there. They're not advertising. We just love them. What did you watch? Uh, we went to the movies last night, which, of course, you know we do. My yeah. wife and I, on a regular basis, we saw ourselves a fabulous film. Now, listen, if you're the movie-going kind, go see The Holdovers. It stars Paul Giamatti. You know this, uh, yeah. this actor. It is a sto- it's a Christmas story, I might add. Highly recommended. It's a throwback to 1970s. Paul Giamatti plays a teacher who is very strict at a private boarding school for boys. This is 1970s Boston. And the Christmas break is upon them, and there's a small group of boys who, for any number of reasons, are not going home. So Paul Giamatti, he draws the short stick, and he's got to stay with these young boys over the Christmas break. There's also a story about the woman who is the, uh, she's the cook for the school and another boy who is bright but broken as well. And these three major characters, they create a really beautiful mix. The Holdovers. Look for it and go see it. Okay, that sounds really good. That's an excellent recommendation. Well, you know, I've shared how I finally finished Homeland. All I think it was eight seasons of it. And Homeland was so excellent. But it was very, very angst-filled, violent, shocking, terrible. And so I am (laughs) in the Great British Baking Show now. Sounds like fun. Oh, who are you? (laughs) I am. Listen, I'm going to be in the Great British Baking Show for a while because I need some recovery time. That's deep in the weeds. How many seasons of the Great Britain? Uh, I'm in, I think I'm in eight right now. Yeah, they go, it goes on forever. It's very, very good and very calming indeed. What was the best news you heard this week? We make our living talking. But I have had uh, several conversations over these last couple of weeks. I've been transparent about the loss of two really important people in my life. And and there is something to be said about talk therapy, Mm. that you are with other people who are like-minded on that same journey with you, and you get together for extended times. That's the best news that I had this week, that in my brokenness, I'm I'm connecting and or reconnecting with those from that past, with those relationships, and I find great healing. So Mm, that's uh, good. That's good news for me. That is very very good Mm. news. Well, the best news I heard this week is that Thanksgiving is next week because I thought it was the week after. I couldn't believe what you said that. I didn't even know Thanksgiving was next week until Tuesday. Yeah. And so... Someone said, hey, it's next week. And you were like, no, it's, it's the week after. And then I thought, you know, I'm having 14 people coming to my house. I better well, figure out what day it is. <laughs> yeah. Heads up. Here it comes. What have you been listening to? 
Um, you know, this is me. You, you Kath, tend to be much more musically adventuresome than I, than I am. I go back to this often. Is that Pat? 1992. The Secret Story. Secret Story. Mm -hmm. The song is called Tell Her You Saw Me. I love this album. Me too. So on a day like today, especially. Oh, this is a perfect day for Pat. Yeah, I think so too. Pat Metheny. Oh, that's a that's a really good call. Okay, well, as always, I've been listening to something different. We're gonna rock this town, make them scream and shout. We're gonna rock, 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 we're gonna rock, we're gonna rock to and pop, we're gonna rock to and jump. Rock this town, rock this town. What is this? Brian Setzer. Oh. The Brian Setzer Orchestra. Yep. Yeah, I remember. Yep, this is a live concert on YouTube. Man. And I have just been eating it up. He I cooks. cannot express how much fun this is. Fabulous. Well, this weekend is the unofficial start of the holiday season with the uh, city's annual light-up night tomorrow in downtown Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. In addition, uh, the UPMC rink at PPG Place opens. Yay! Already opened at 10 a.m. today. Oh, I love that. The rink, fun fact, is 67% larger than the Rockefeller Center rink in New York City. Is it really? Which I find hard to believe. Uh, Also, two-thirds the size of a standard national hockey uh, ring link. Okay. Yeah, isn't that cool? I uh, love that's one of my favorite things about the holidays. Me too. Is the skating Although, rink and the Do you uh, skate? No. No, but to go and down the, there and, and the, see it. And the Christmas village. Lovely. I just love it. Well, speaking of the Christmas village, it's opened uh, today as well. No way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh today, uh, it opened today the twelfth annual People's Gas Market in Market Square. Opened at eleven o'clock with uh, vendors housed in wooden chalets. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh for uh, now until I think December twenty first. Yeah. Uh oh. Usually it goes right up until like the day before Christmas oh, Eve. Okay. 
Uh, Kenny Woods Holiday Lights opens today okay. at 5 o'clock, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Kenny Wood uh, is going to have 2 million lights, features a new uh, experience as well. There will also be 20 rides open. Uh, tickets start at 20 bucks. Uh, this evening, Film Pittsburgh presents Pittsburgh Shorts from Friday through Sunday, showcasing 119 short films, including dramas, comedies, and chiller theater selections in person downtown at the Harris Theater. That's mm-hmm. fun. Very much so. And uh, what else? Uh, oh, the Carnegie Science Center on the North Shore will show at the IMAX Theater the 1987 film Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> uh, 5.30 and 8 o'clock uh, tomorrow and Sunday. Such one of my, one a of the, classic. One of the greatest films ever. Yes. And the uh, Pittsburgh Opera presents The Flying Dutchman. Okay. 7.30 this evening and 2 o'clock on Sunday at the Benetton Center downtown. Okay. A lot going on. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot at um, Light Up Night. They're going to be, uh, apparently, a lot of the downtown restaurants are already booked, but there right. are going to be a lot of food trucks. There's going to be a lot of pop-up stands for, you know, beer and snacks and that sort of thing. A around. lot of stuff for kids. Yep. Uh, it seems like it's like downtown. what I've what I've read about it is it could be very very fun. It's good. It's on a Saturday because people can kind of wade yeah. slowly in as opposed to being jammed in there. Also, a musical Christmas Carol opens uh, at the Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, and the Pittsburgh public is doing a Christmas story based upon the film. Really? Yeah, I didn't hear about mm, that. Yeah. Okay. So plenty to do to kick off the Christmas season. Hard to believe it's here. You meant you said the uh, flying nun or the flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. Remember the flying nun? Of course I do. Okay, I love I n- that show. I never have seen that. Oh, it's a great. I never show. saw it. Great but it's not just, a great show. It's, it's, <laughs> it can't be great. Okay. But just the pictures of it. What? Sally that Fields. That was a thing. Oh yeah, sure. It's a very holy woman floating around. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.